We started a vision series last week at Faith Chapel, and I'm going to remind you, and I, I, for those of you that are here for the first time in this series, you're like, it's not a reminder, it's new to me, so it might be new to you. The, the intent of this series is not to lay out Faith Chapel's vision and ask you to help fill the roles so that we can fulfill the vision that we have. That's not the intent of this series. The intent of this is to help each of us discover the vision that God's given us for our lives and the vision that he's given us for our families so that we can walk it out. Now, there are times in doing that, it's gonna be very individual for you. There are times that it's gonna be for you, yourself, times it's gonna be for your family, but there's also moments in this that it becomes very corporate because I wanna help you walk after the vision that God's called you to walk after. And I'll be honest, I want you to help me to walk after the vision that God's called me to walk after. But the reality is, there's a lot more vision in this room than just one person that has a microphone right now. There's a tremendous amount of vision in this room. And we all want to walk in that. So um, let me just kind of share the lessons that we learned last week. It's one of those moments where you go, wow, we reviewed the lessons in about two minutes and he spoke on it for 40 minutes last week. How does that even happen, right? So let's just take a moment. We'll take a look at the lessons that we learned. Number one, vision is simply about seeing what God is saying. We spent a lot of time in Habakkuk chapter two, verse one last week. Remember when, the, when he simply said this, I will wait and see what God will say to me. He didn't say, I'm going to wait and hear what God will say. He said, I'm going to see what God will say. God's word is full of vision. He wants you to see what he is showing. Honestly, he uses pictures and he uses vision because we do better with that. How many prefer it when somebody just shows you how to do it? Have you ever tried to read a manual and gone a little bit crazy? You open up an owner's manual and you're like, oh my goodness, just show me how. And if you connect this, and you're like, I don't even want to go. Now, I know there are a few of you weird people that really connect with that. And God has special grace for you. And so do the rest of us. But most of us, give us a picture and it's really going to help. Which kind of leads to the second thing that we talked about. God shows us pictures because it's easier for us to understand. It's so much easier for us to understand. This happens when I run to the grocery store and it's my responsibility to grab a couple of things that Beth needs, but they're obscure things that you could never find. She's like, I need milk. How many know that is so difficult to find in a grocery store? I mean, everybody that needs milk, you would think it would be up front, but perhaps because everybody needs milk, they put it in the back so that you have to walk by the Doritos. Have you ever went there? I need milk. And you come home with Doritos and salsa. You're like, what did you need again? Will this be okay for my my cereal? Really? It's bound. We can make it work, can't we? I mean, just saying salsa is fun when you think about it, especially pico de gallo. Just say that with me. Pico de gallo. Pico de, come on, give it a try. Pico de gallo. Doesn't that feel good? Pico de gallo, mis hermanos en Cristo. Te gusta pico de gallo? See? All right. So anyway, he shows us pictures because it's easier. There's so many times I'm like, what does the aisle look like? I need chicken broth. Do you need chicken broth low sodium? Chicken broth regular? Chicken broth this? It just drives me insane. I would just take a picture and show me. And the Lord works with me that way. 
because he knows how slow I am. I am a head that needs some turning from time to time. So show me a picture, Lord. Number three, visions aren't for the super spiritual. They're for anyone that God is speaking to. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had what you would call a mental picture or a vision that you really believe came from the Lord? Let's lift up your hands. Okay, take a look around. I know a lot of these people with their hands up, they are not super spiritual. Craig Moore raised his hand for crying out loud. There is no way he qualifies as super spiritual, all right? So it's not for super spiritual, it's for people. God will show pictures. As a matter of fact, there are so many times in scripture that we'll see a vision's actually giving to, being given to someone that's not walking with God at all because he uses that vision to reach out to them because of his love for them. So when I think about vision, there's something that I think about that I got to experience this week um, how many of you have attended Faith Chapel long enough that when I say the name Goldie Hampton will remember that name? Are there, there are a few of us that do. Uh, how many of you remember she was the tallest person you've ever met in your life? She almost made it to your waist, right? Little Goldie passed away this last week. Goldie was 96 years old when she passed away. She attended our church when we met in a high school auditorium. And she got to a place just at her age and what, her, what she was able to do that she had to move in with her daughter and son-in-law and they had to help take care of her. So for the last eight years or so, she's been living with her daughter's family north of Wright City, Missouri. And how many know that north of Wright City is just a scary place? So we didn't go out there often. It's a bunch of Philistines out there. But um, so she moved out to, to north of Wright City where she was with her, with her family. And I got a phone call last Sunday morning, actually right before church started, that said, hey, Pastor Brad, I wanted to let you know that Goldie has went into the presence of Jesus and she had requested that you do her funeral for her. And she said, we knew that she wasn't doing well and we asked her again this summer, do you really want Brad Riley to do the funeral? I guess they were hoping that she would make a different choice, which is always good for one's self-esteem. It's always good. And, but she insisted that you're the person that she wants to do the funeral for. And I immediately, my mind went back to a moment when Goldie called and said, hey, Pastor Brad, it's Pastoral Appreciation Month. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, and I want to appreciate my pastors. She said, would you? And the worship pastor and the youth guy and that other guy that sings. So would you guys come over to the house for lunch? And I'm like, we would be honored. So Pastor Josh and Pastor Tony, and we had a gentleman here. How many of you remember Joe Papkin? Pastor Joe, we all went over to her house and she had out the deli sandwiches and the soup. And she, she brought her children up in a home that when they moved into the home, all it had on the inside was just studs and electric wire. There was no sheetrock, no paneling. Then they hung up quilts to divide the rooms. Um, she was born in 1919. Now, how many you know that was the year the pogo stick was invented? <laughs> you know now, that was the year the pogo stick was invented in 1919. It's also the year Bentley formed, for those of you that care about that. But in 1919 is when she was born. And she married young, she had two girls, and her husband passed away about seven years after they had been married. He died in 1953. And when he died, she's bringing up these two daughters, and they're in a home that doesn't even have sheetrock, and they finished room by room as they could. She made her living cleaning homes and ironing clothes for people, and that's how she survived. 
And I remember her sharing the story with us and she said, but I wanna tell you about my favorite day. One of her favorite days was the day that she had the radio on and she was listening to, as she said, a radio preacher. And I go, if you're preaching and it's on the radio, I guess it works. She was listening to a radio preacher and he was talking about salvation in Christ. And at the end of the message, he said, I'm gonna have my wife join me now and she will pray with anyone that wants to ask Christ into their life. And Goldie knelt down in her home and she prayed that prayer and she committed her life to Christ in 1953. Now, it wasn't long after that that she started talking to Jesus about her husband, her husband that had passed. She wanted an assurance that her husband was okay. She knew that when he was battling sickness, she had watched a change happen in him, but he hadn't talked about it with her. The one thing he had asked her to do was to get the family Bible that they had been given. I guess they were given a family Bible when they got married and you would write important dates in it. How many you know what I'm talking about? They used to use that really for history and write the birth dates and the anniversaries and keep it in the family Bible. And he had her get the family Bible down so that he could be reading the Bible. She knew that something had happened and she suspected that he had given his life to Christ, but she wanted an assurance. And she was asking the Lord, Lord, would you let me know? Would you let me know? Well, one night in 1953, she woke up because she sensed something and when she opened her eyes, she saw the presence of Jesus in her room. And she said what she saw as he looked at her, there was a glow, there was a brightness that was to him and he simply looked at her and he smiled and he nodded his head and then he turned and he walked away. When she had that vision of Jesus, she knew that her husband was okay. God had shown her what she needed to see. Jesus himself, he didn't talk to her. He didn't give her a doctrinal study. He didn't talk about the theology of the atonement. He looked at her and he nodded and he smiled. You know why I find that so interesting? She saw the vision in 1953, but she told us about that vision eight years ago. And her daughters were talking about that vision on Thursday. After I spoke chapel for Christian high school, I put on the suit to go do the funeral. And they talked about that vision. She had held on to that vision for 63 years. Think about it. For and it was just as alive to her eight years ago as it was when she first got it. And it was just as alive to their family when they talked about it. And her oldest daughter told the story. And I know where my dad is. And I know where my mom is. And it came back to a vision. When God gives you a vision, it is just as alive 63 years from now as it is alive the moment that he gives it to you. We're the ones that tend to let it fade. We're the ones that go, Lord, was that really you or was that me? Were you showing me that or was that Oprah, God? No, when God gives a vision, it's gonna come true. And though it linger, it's not gonna delay. You can grab hold of it and believe the promises of God. Think about it. If the vision is from God, it will have more, more than a momentary impact. It will have a lasting impact. That vision from the Lord changed Goldie's life. Man, when that lady would start worshiping, you guys remember this, some of us were talking about it yesterday, the hands would come up and she would bust it out in a circle. And when you pray for her and she'd feel the Holy Ghost, she'd, woo, I felt that. And if you prayed and she didn't feel it, she'd say, I don't feel nothing. 
so you better carry it. Now we said Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1 last week where he said, I will wait and see what he will show me. But now let's look at the next two verses that tend to be spoken on more frequently. If God shows us something, look at what the Lord says. Write down the revelation. What was the revelation? It was the vision that he had been shown, right? Write down the revelation, your understanding. Make it on plain tablets so that Harold may run with it. How many know Harold has to have good legs? Harold's the runner. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. So after God showed the vision to Habakkuk, he then spoke to him and he gave him some practical understanding. Is it okay with you that God's word can be practical? Have you need a little practical help in your life from time to time? I love you, Jesus, but I just need some practical help right now. Let's break this down in a real practical way. And we'll put them up here. And if you want to take a picture of it, by the way, this month with vision, if you'll hashtag vision, when you put it on Facebook and Instagram, or you tweet about it, let's kind of build a little vision uh, pile that we have going that we can all take a visit and see what people are saying about vision. Here's some practical insights regarding visions. Number one, write them down. Journal what the Lord has shown you. The Lord's shown you something, put it on paper. Make it plain. How many of you will admit that you don't remember things like you used to? How many will admit you don't know if you remember things like you used to? Because you can't remember. Remember when President Clinton said, I don't remember forgetting that. What a classic line. My grandma, Giesler, before she passed away, was diagnosed as having Alzheimer's. She would forget everything, but it worked out to her benefit. Because my grandma Riley used to make a little rum cake. And it actually had a, a little more rum than it had cake from time to time, if I'm going to be honest with you. And my grandma Giesler loved my grandma Riley's rum cake. And my grandma, we'd be at a big event and she would eat a piece of that rum cake. And then she would come back to put her plate away and she would go, oh, did Ruth make rum cake? Well, I didn't. And she would go and get another piece. About 30 minutes later, she'd come to put, she's like, oh, nobody told me that Ruth made rum cake. So grandma had a four-piece minimum when she came to any event that she was involved with. Eat now and forget later. Anybody else kind of wish you could live that way anyway? Eat now and forget later, all right? We will forget the most important things. I've watched the Skibos drive away from this church without their youngest child. I've watched it. I, are you saying they don't love her? No, they love her. They not just not enough to take her home, right? When you have as many as they do, you can understand how from time to time you might miss one. How many know six out of seven is still a pretty good percentage that's going to get you in the Hall of Fame, right? Okay, that's still pretty good. So I, it happens. We forget things that are important. I'm going to tell you right now, there are, you have vision that God's already given you that you've completely forgotten. Life does it. It wears us out. That we've got vision for the things that the Lord wants to use us to do, and then we get caught up with sickness, or our brother's family goes through a divorce, or my job change took place and I'm not making what I used to, and we face the daily of life, and we lose the vision, 
and we forget what he's shown us. We need to write it down. One of the reasons that we write it down is so that we can revisit it and go, I'm standing on what he's shown me because the one that gave the vision is faithful. Number two, understand that you may not understand all of it. We need to be comfortable with this. We need to be comfortable being uncomfortable. There are times that God's going to show you something and you're going to go, I don't get it. And it's not supposed to be a source of frustration. He's not wanting you to give up because you don't understand. When he shows you something that you don't understand yet, it's because he's showing you ahead of, of time something that he is yet to reveal. He's showing you something that he wants you to press into his presence more so that the understanding will begin to happen. When he shows you something that you don't understand, it's not to keep you away, but it's to draw you closer. How many of you have read the book of Revelation? How many of you have been confused when you've read the book of Revelation? Okay, listen, I'm a pastor. I don't have a degree in understanding all things biblical. There are things about the book of Revelation that confuse me. But can I tell you this? There are things about the book of Revelation that confuse the guy that wrote it. So I'm going to take the pressure off. We call him John the Revelator. Why do we call him John the Revelator? What a cheesy phrase is that? John was suffering, exiled on the island of Patmos, and he had a vision. And he wrote down what he saw. And the Lord did tell him some things. He said, hey, see these candlesticks? That represents the churches. Okay, that I can get. Because the Lord flat out told him, hey, see this? This represents this. This incense bowl that you keep seeing, those are the prayers of my people. So some of the things, even when we sing in worship, you know that song that we sing that let our incense arise? You're like, what does that mean? It's our prayers that are arising because according to God's word, they fill up the incense bowl of heaven. If we say, man, we're a lampstand, what does that mean? We're a local house, we're a local church. But do you realize there's a lot of things in the book of Revelation that John wrote he didn't understand? He's like, I see this creature, kind of looks like an eagle, but he's got eyes everywhere, not really sure about it, it opens up his mouth and fire shoots out. Does that mean that there's an eagle going to fly over our nation with eyes around his body burping fire? Not necessarily. It means he was trying to communicate what he was seeing that he didn't really understand. Could it be an angel or an eagle with eyes and burping fire? Yeah, sure it could because God can do anything. But it's really interesting when you read Revelation John didn't understand everything he was writing, but he knew God was going to show. Number three, realize that your understanding will be opened at the right time. God doesn't show you a vision to keep you out of the loop of understanding it. At the right time, your eyes will be open. How many of you have ever had the moment when something takes place in worship or takes place in your prayer time or takes place in your family and immediately your mind goes back to a vision or a word and you go, oh, I get it now. How many of you have ever had the aha moment? How many would like more aha moments? Okay, then Lord, give them to us. Open our eyes to that. Let us understand. Number, number four, visions from God will be true always. Always. I've had a lot of people over the years that have come to me and they've told me their vision. And sometimes even what they're saying, it just doesn't feel like it even lines up with Scripture. And I'm like, well, if your vision doesn't line up with God's Word, God's Word's eternal. I'm going to have to go ahead and stand with God's Word on this one. 
Because God's word's eternal and I'm gonna give it a higher credence than I'm gonna give a vision that you've received. But I will tell you this, if God has given the vision, it will be true in that moment and it will continue to be true. God doesn't give you a vision when you're having a bad week just to get you through the week. A false vision. How many know what the lottery is? How many of you, ever, how many of you know you gotta play to win? Okay. How many of you are being careful because you don't know where I'm going, you don't wanna lift your hand? All right, I get it, okay. So I've heard it said that the lottery is tax increase for people with bad math skills. I'm like, ooh, that makes a lot of sense. But one thing I know about the lottery is there's some false hope that goes with it. What if I win? How many of you ever kind of played that game before? What if I win? This could be, the, there's a gentleman that we know, he's, he doesn't attend our church, I don't think he goes to church anywhere, but I connect with him from time to time, and he is an interesting fella, and he's like, you know, Brad Riley, I, I respect the way you do it. I'm like, you've never been to my church. He's like, I respect the way you do it. I respect the way that you are. And when I win the lottery, I want you to know, don't call me right away, because everybody's going to blow up my phone. You know how it is. He goes, I'm going to win millions of dollars. All of a sudden, cousins and aunts and people that I haven't seen in years, they're all going to be calling. Just leave me alone. After about 45 days, I'll let you know. I'll get in touch with you. I'm going to make a large donation to the church. I'm like, really? He goes, I promise. If you just give me time. Now, he said, if you call me and bug me, but give me time, I'll get it there. He's saying this, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, you're insane. You really think you're going to win. And you're really telling me not now. If he wins this week, you know what I'm going to do? I am not going to call for 45 days. Okay? And on day 45, I'm going to say, brother, come on. Bring it to the house. Okay? It's time for revival. Okay? So... We'll call it Lottery Chapel, reaching the people with good odds. But anyway, <laughs> I know why some people buy tickets. It's just, what if? What if? In this house of God's saints, sons and daughters, that he, how many of you have ever bought it and thought, what if? Gordy, you're the only honest person in this house. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you. I can see you watching the TV, wearing your wife beater t-shirt, looking at those numbers and just hoping that it works. I can picture that. I can see that, all right? I can see that moment. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are looking for hope, and they look to false places for hope. If God gives a vision, it's not for false hope. It's because it's true. It's not just his way of kind of getting you through the week and, oh, they'll forget about it next month anyway. No, it's because he's true and he's showing you something that will continue to be true. Number five, don't quit waiting for it. Did you notice that verse? We read it together. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and not delay. Doesn't that almost seem like a paradox? It's lingering, but it won't delay. It's lingering, but it will come. Though it linger, wait for it, it will not delay. That's kind of hard to figure out sometimes, isn't it? It's lingered, but not delayed. In other words, not every promise and vision that God gives you is going to be fulfilled that afternoon. God has some things lined up for you to be fulfilled next year or next decade or in the lives of your children, and you have to know it's going to happen because God said it will happen. It won't delay, so I need to watch for it. He says it, wait for it. How many of you have ever been to a surprise party that was ruined? 
They knew that the surprise was coming. Isn't that the worst? You're all waiting, you're hiding behind the couch, the lights are out, everybody's being quiet, and the person walks in and before you can say anything, they say, surprise! And you're like, ooh, you took that from me, right? You just wanna put them in the stockade and beat them for a while because how many of you love people enough you wanna beat them up every once in a while? You know what I'm talking about? The kids are missing, where are they? Where are they? I can't, I'm gonna kill them when they come home. You know what I'm saying, right? If you've ever been at a surprise party, this is the kind of weight that we're supposed to have for the visions that God give up, gives us. You're getting a text from your buddy, hey, we're 20 minutes out. You're like, hey, everybody, they're 20 minutes out. Hey, we're 15 minutes. There were 15, the 50, every, you know what we're gonna do, right? Every, lights off, everybody, right? 15 minutes away, we're gonna surprise, it's gonna be great. Oh my goodness, he wanted to stop. For, they're stopping for wings. Oh, they're what? They're stopping, don't, don't they know we have wings here? Well, no, he doesn't know we have wings here. It's a surprise. So we're just gonna have to roll with it. He's gonna be here, hang on, we're gonna do it. And when they walk in, man, we ambush them. How many of you like making people scream? Thanks, Zach, I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, I like making people scream. Sophie's got a great scream. And this, anytime I use her in illustration, it costs me, but this is money well spent. I'll just tell you that right now. 20, that's a little pricey. I paid for a donut you haven't eaten yet. I mean, come on, sister. I go upstairs the other day and I ran up the stairs because I am always full of energy. And I ran up the stairs and I tucked in right behind the half wall and I waited for her as she drug herself up the stairs. And when she finally came up the stairs, I popped out from behind the, the half wall. Sophie, she's, ah! And she just collapsed. Ah! And it's frozen in time. These are the moments dads live for. I ambushed her, man. Though you wait for it, it will not delay. Let me ask you, let's be serious about it. How many quit waiting for your vision? How many of you are not ready to ambush it? Life's done enough and you've received enough that you're not waiting to jump on that thing when the opportunity is there. Today could be the day for what you've been praying for, for that door to open, are you ready? Are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to go for it? All right, let's look at our key verse that we haven't got to in two weeks, and we'll get there today. Proverbs 29, 18. We're gonna read it in the King James Version just because I really like the way it looked in the King James Version. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. What I wanna do, is just take a few moments and break down what I believe to be four of the key words in this. One would be vision, uh, where there is no vision. And another one would be perish. I kind of want to understand that. I feel like I have a decent understanding of people. Um, I also want to know what it means to keepeth the law. So vision, perish, keepeth, and law. I'm gonna kind of look at those. You could have picked other ones. I just happen to have the mic. These are the ones that I chose, okay? Where there is no vision. If you look up division, uh, vision in the Hebrew, you'll see the word hazon, hazon. And I say that that way because it's got that silent C sound in front of that hazon. Now, if you read the scriptures, how many of you have done that before? Good, about half, for, lo for a local church, that's really good. Um, <laughs> about half of us. If you read the scriptures, 
you would find that there are times this word hazon is literally translated as revelation. We'll put them up there for him, David. Sometimes it's divine communication, and sometimes it's mental sight. So literally, the scripture in Hebrew might say that uh, David saw something in the Lord, and they use the word saw for sight, but it's hazon, which is the same word as vision. Or it might say that... Um, Abiathar, the priest, came to Joab, and he gave him revelation of something that God, hazon, of something that God has spoken. So when we talk about vision, we're not just talking about natural eyes. We're talking about an understanding, divine communication, mental sight, being able to see something. How many of you can say that you can see something that you don't really see? That you're seeing it supernaturally, but not necessarily in the natural. That is a vision. It's divine. It's something that God gives to us. So where there is no revelation, people perish. Where there's no divine communication. As a matter of fact, you can even look in the scriptures, and there are times and it'll say, there was no vision in the land. What a statement. There was no vision in the land. In other words because people weren't receiving understanding or divine communication or mental sight, people were dying. I want you to know right now, people in our community are dying for lack of vision. That the enemy wants us to be so focused on ourselves and on our day and on the mundane of life that we see this thing as just a circle. Sunday through Sunday, Sunday through Sunday, Sunday, and we exist and we have no vision for what God can do. People kill themselves for lack of vision. We need to have an understanding. Sometimes in the scripture when it says there was no vision in the land, they literally meant there wasn't a prophet because the prophets would see from God and speak for God to the people. So they're like, there's not a prophet among us. But how many know we live in a day and age where we all are prophets in the Lord? We can all see from the Lord. Okay? All right, let's go to the next thought. Not only vision, we're going to talk about perish. Perish is the Hebrew word para. Para. Para would mean this to let go of restraint, to be uncovered, to be neglected, and to be made naked. So there are literally, there are times that where it says where there is no vision, the people perish, that there are times that same word para is used to say they didn't have any clothes on. Or that child was parad, that child was neglected. Or they didn't have clothing, they were uncovered, they weren't protected. If you don't have mental sight from God, divine communication from God, if you're not seeing from God, you'll let go of restraint. God's vision that he's given me protects me. Let me share it with you this way. We'll go ahead and put the thought up there for him, David. Don't ever give up what you want the most for what you want immediately. This happens when people don't have vision. There have been men that love their wives and love their children, but the wrong girl starts flirting with them at the office. And they start receiving that flirtation and they start thinking about the possibilities and rather than staying true to the vision, they forfeit the future and they neglect the future for what's something that they just wanted immediately or temporarily. 
It happens all the time. Our world is full of people that make choices for the now, forfeiting the opportunities for tomorrow. It takes place. I know we don't like to talk about it, but it's a reality. How do you remember the name Walter Payton? Watching the athlete Walter Payton. What was his nickname? Do you remember? Sweetness. Who said that? All right, I love that, that you knew that. You know one of the reasons that sweetness was so sweet? is because back before the days of everybody working out and everybody putting that effort into it and CrossFit and all, back before all of that, there was Walter Payton who had a really huge hill that he would go to during the off season. And Walter Payton would be running up that hill every day while other guys were kicking back and relaxing and not preparing. And when the hill became too easy for him, he would grab weights and he would run up the hill carrying weights. And he would put a backpack on his back and ankle weights on his ankles. And he would run up that hill. And then he would zigzag up and down that hill. And you know when he did it? When nobody else was there. Nobody else was clapping. Nobody else was saying, one of these days, sweetness, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. Because it wasn't sweet on the hill. On the hill, it was hell. It was work. It was agony. It was frustration. But you do that Monday through Saturday of the off season. So that when season comes around on Sunday, what are you? You're sweet. Because guys that haven't been running up a hill with weights on their back, they're not going to touch you. They're not going to catch you. That man was a step ahead of everybody when he was in his prime. And it was sweet to watch him do what he did. It's a man that didn't forfeit what he wanted the most for something that he could have had immediately. I do it. You know what I want the most? to be healthy and to live a long life for my children and to help bring the kingdom of heaven to teach them to do the same things. But there are times that I make really foolish choices with my eating. I feel like that all you have to do is look at me on, a, on an annual basis and there are pictures of Pastor Brad after the 21-day fast and pictures of Pastor Brad in March when he's recovered from his 21-day fast. Is there anybody else in this room that you feel like you gain and lose the same 20 pounds over and over and over again? The fast ends, I look like I need to be in the Feed the Children program. <laughs> Who is that guy preaching to this group with the clothes hanging off of him? By August, I am, I have an ab. I don't have a, a six pack, I don't have abs, I have one ab and it's not rock solid. And I can't tuck in shirts anymore. Anybody else, you feel like the season of tucking has passed you by? And I prefer pants with a little elasticity. I hate pants with judgment. Anybody else, do you hate pants with judgment? If you have pants without a little, those are judgmental pants. No more religious pants in this house. Our pants need to be stretchy. Can I get an amen? Thank you. You know, the problem isn't the desire and the problem isn't the vision. The problem is that if I'm not careful, one day's decision isn't just one day, it's every day. I mean, how do you like a nice shake from time to time? And I'm not just talking about breaking it down. I'm talking about how many like a nice you know, chocolate and banana or maybe, a, I mean, do you like a nice shake? I like a nice shake. 
I do. I, and, I, and honestly, unless you're really a moron, every shake can be nice. There's a way to make it all work. Can I get a And if I have a shake today, it's no big deal. I mean, what's one day with having a shake? It's Sunday. Sunday's a fun day. Sunday's a free day. Sunday's a day of worship. It's a day of sabbatical. It's a day of shakes. Can I get an amen? It is. It's a wonderful. Receive that shake like the children of God that you are. Receive it. It might even be a root beer float day. That would be fine too. The problem is that Monday is also a wonderful day. And God loves me on Monday. And sometimes I've been busy enough that I just want to stop at Red Robin and have the Royal Red Robin burger with the bacon and the cheese and the egg and the bottomless fries. And how many know that bottomless fries create quite the bottom if you're not careful? Right? Moment on the lips, lifetime. Okay, it happens. And you get done with that and you're like, oh, I just need something a little sweet. You know, just give me the little shake. Which one do you want, the small? Yeah, the small that has the extra container that comes with it, just that small one. And the problem is that not only is it good on Monday, but how many know Friday is a day to get down and part? It's work is done. It's time to celebrate. And as a Christian, you can celebrate with cake. Can I? Come on. We're not allowed to drink to excess. We're assembly of God people. We're not allowed to do that. But we can eat until the cows come home. We can eat till we look like a cow at Chick-fil-A. How many know that that's okay? It's perfectly acceptable. No big deal at all. See, the problem isn't the shake today. It's the shake every day. And if I'm not careful, I will live a life without restraint because I've lost sight of the vision. I'll do it. I want to live a life of restraint I don't want to perish. I I want to live a life that's covered. I want to live a life that's protected because he's given me a vision and I want to be true to that. I want to live as long as I can on this earth and I want to see as many people healed and saved and walking in freedom as I possibly can because that's what God's called me to do. And heaven forbid one too many shakes affect my blood in such a way that it shortens my opportunity to do that for him. Now I'm just sharing my personal conviction. I'm not saying I'll live up to it. I'm just sharing that conviction. Number three, keepeth. Where there is no vision, people perish, they para, but he that keepeth, shamar, he that keepeth, shamar, keepeth, guard, observe, and hold. Now, you all know it goes on to say keepeth the law. I'll get to the law in a second, but shamar means to protect, to be protective. How many are protective of your children? Okay, and they're 50. I mean, you still do it. My mom left me a voicemail that said, I love you, I'm praying for you, and I trust that you can hear from God. You're becoming a man of God. I was very encouraged until she said, you're becoming a man of God. Like, I'm 40 stinking seven. I love Jesus. I've loved him for a I'm becoming a man of God? Isn't there a time when you can say you're a man of God? No, pride will get in your heart, Bradley. You know it will. Okay. I, I am, I am, she still guards, and it's still, moms still do what moms do. How many, how many moms still do what, my, what a mom does, right? You just, you do it, it is what it is. This word, shamar, it's used to guard, be the watchman at the wall, and to protect the city. It's used that if an intruder is coming towards your home, not my house, I'm stepping in and bringing, I'm going to guard my home. But in this context, It said, where there is no vision, 
People are uncovered, unrestrained. They perish. But he that guards, what did it say? The law. Now, the word law here is Torah in the Hebrew. And when I go to that, I'll just be honest with you. I grew up in the church, so my mind tends to be religious before I recognize it. I think law, I think you must do this and don't do that. I think the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and uh, thank you, Deuteronomy. That's where my mind goes. And I think of the 600 and some commands that are given to people. And I think about all of that stuff. But the word Torah doesn't just mean the first five books of the Bible. It also means this, God's instructions, God's direction, and oh, God's prophetic teaching. God's prophetic teaching. Now, this is changing my understanding of a verse that I've known my whole life. Think about it. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, but those that guard and hold on to God's direction, those that, that observe God's prophetic teaching, those that will, that will watch out for God's instruction, what are they? They're happy. So this isn't telling me that when God gives a vision, that if I just walk out the Torah, I'm going to be happy. That's not what this is saying at all. What this is saying is when God gives a vision, when I hold on to what he is showing me and I guard it and protect it, I'm going to be happy because that is God's direction. Are you getting this? The vision is the direction that you need. Here's the problem. We tend to get a vision and sit back and go, okay, God, when are you going to do it? What we need to do is when we receive that vision, start aligning our lives with what he's shown us. We need to be prepared. We need to be ready. Have you ever got an inclination that you just want to sell your house? I want to sell my house. I feel like moving. Not moving communities. I just want to sell. Let's get out of this house. And then you start looking around. You go, well, if we're going to sell, we need to. Have you ever done this? We're going to have to go ahead and we've got to remodel the bathroom. Nobody's going to live here with a bathroom like that. And we need to pull this carpet up and get some new carpet. We need to touch up this. And and you go through and you get through that list and you're like, you know what? This house is fine. It's fine. God's blessed us. Everything's good here. Why are we saying that? Because we're not wanting to line ourselves up with what our original intent was. We wanted to sell the house until we saw everything that we had to do to sell the house. I'm just going to be honest with you. We all want a vision from God until it causes us to change. Love you, but it's true. God, show me. Okay, here it is. Not that God. That vision from God might end up leading to adoption. That vision from God might lead up to opening your home to children that need places to be. That vision from God might be going, I'm coming into my local house and I'm going to help more kids that are broken. That vision from God might be, I need to start preparing myself because he called me and I haven't been walking out that calling and I need to start studying so that I can be ready to lead the way he's called me to lead. Visions from God change things. But you know what? When you hold on to it, you're happy. 
there's something really beautiful about lining yourself up with what God's showing you. Here's my last statement, and I'm done. And all God's people said, unbelievable. I, I know. Number one, here it is, our last statement. A person without a vision for his or her future will be tempted to return to his or her past. I got that out of Hebrews chapter 11. You guys have probably read that before, where they're talking about the great people of faith, and they make the statement, if they had been looking for the opportunity to return, they could have went. How many know that once you get started walking with God, starting isn't enough? It's staying in it. I mean, anybody can say, Lord, come into my life. Anybody can say, God, I want to follow you. But if you start trying to walk and you keep looking back at everything you're walking away from, all of a sudden you will go to what you're looking at. It's just the way it's going to happen. My grandpa Riley died a few years ago. And one of the things about my grandpa that used to really scare me was when he was driving the truck, when he turned up the radio, the truck would go to the right. He, he just, he could not separate his hands. So he's got one hand on the wheel and he grabbed the knob and whoo, I'm like, turn it down, turn it down. I, I didn't say pull it back to the left because it went, I just, turn down the right. Was it too loud? Yes, thank you. Thank you, grandfather. Bless you. Love you, right? It's just the way that it was. He couldn't turn it up without driving off the side of the road. And, and I don't know what that was about him. I'm sure it's where I got all my incredible coordination. But it's an illustration that what he was focused on shifted him. It just took him a different direction. I, I suspect every one of us have been shown things from God in this room. But if you haven't stayed focused on them, it will fade like it wasn't even there. It will. And if you, if you then start looking back to the way things used to be, I'll guarantee you there's opportunities to go back. But why would I go back to death? Why would I go back to defeat? Why would I go back to settling when I can walk out what God has for me, even if it's uncomfortable? I'll just tell you right now, the people that accomplish the most for God and that have the best celebrations have walked through horribly uncomfortable seasons. They have. Sweetness ran that hill when nobody was around. And his name's a legend. And if you'll do things that God's called you to do when nobody else is around, look what God will use you to do in the kingdom. You were